0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning, the final from Dodger Stadium in L.A. It's the Cleveland Guardians 5, the L.A. Dodgers 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And man, do we have a lot to talk about from this one. This was a baseball game. I'm sure those national networks were like, why couldn't we get this game? Where was this game when you were on our national networks? Come on, guys. This was fun. This had a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, even for a game with a lot of run, decent amount of runs scored in, you know, today's baseball, uh, we still had some great pitching, uh, some timely hitting, some big home runs, some small ball, the things the Guardians do. We even had a guy with a hurt thumb going in the ninth inning to put his jersey and his cleats on just in case the team needed him. That's how committed everybody in that Guardians dugout was to getting this win, getting this series win over the L.A. Dodgers, right? The uh, perennial World Series contenders, former World Series champions with a lot of those players still on this team. We just went and took this series from them in L.A. This was the series we were supposed to lose on this road trip. And we went out there and took two out of three from the Dodgers. That is pretty freaking good. Pretty freaking good for the youngest team in baseball. Pretty freaking good for a team that most people think are in a rebuild right now. right? Most national pundits probably think we're in a rebuild right now. But we know. We know. The morning people, the people that listen to this show know this team is not messing around. This is a team that will compete with anybody. They have their ups and downs. This team definitely has its flaws. But this is a team that will compete with anybody. All right. I asked you on Twitter uh, what you thought. I was having some fun with it this time. I was like, I asked you what you thought the top storyline of this game was. I threw out there Bieber and his 9Ks, the ninth inning rally, Morgan, Eli Morgan coming out of the pen, or Oscar Gonzalez hitting his first home run. And I got to say, the votes were kind of spread around. It was actually kind of interesting. The ninth inning rally was the runaway leader uh, in the Twitter poll. So we're definitely going to start there. That will be our top storyline of the game. But then Eli Morgan, then Oscar Gonzalez's home run, and then Bieber starts. So I guess we're going to work backwards through this game uh, and follow the fans. I also got some great comments. Um, You know, uh, they talked, uh, someone said to me, Uh, Let me scroll back through these comments here. Uh, Effective situational hitting and extremely effective bullpen work, especially by Eli. Uh, That was one person's comment on what they thought the top storylines were. Uh, Someone else said, can we talk about how Tito pushes all the right buttons in the two wins that won the series, especially in the first game without Morgan and Klaas Yeah, I don't really, I don't talk about Tito enough when he's making the right decisions, right? When we're winning and we're making the right decisions, we talk about that. We talk about the game. We talk about the players. But yeah, we don't give Terry Francona enough credit on this show sometimes. You're absolutely right. Uh, You know, that got a few comments on Twitter. And uh, he did. He, he had to make some tough calls with his two best relievers out on Friday night. And Wright gets, gets a great performance out of Ghosts and Henches, uh, makes all the right bullpen decisions in that game to win that extra inning game. Then, you know, he's got to get the right-handers in there against all these lefty pitchers. He does use, I, I still don't know why Mercado was hitting uh, sixth in this game. Why Mercado's kind of in the middle of the lineup there when he's in, but he's got to get him in the lineup. He he wants to split up the two left-handers, Jimenez and Naylor. I get that. I mean, you could do that with Oscar Gonzalez in the middle, too, and move Mercado down, but uh, you know, he he's not he doesn't hesitate at all to go to Quan in the middle of the game. As soon as the lefty is out, he is off the bench and in the game with Quan So uh you know, he wasn't messing around in this one. He was going to make decisions. He burns through his whole bench to the point where, I mean, Ramirez half got his uniform on to motivate the team. But he also got his uniform on because he was technically the last guy on the bench. So, I mean, in the rare situation where something were to happen, uh, yeah, he went and got his cleats on and his uniform on. Because, uh yeah, Francona did not hesitate with his bench. He used everybody at his disposal on this to get this win on Sunday. So, yeah, absolutely. Um another comment uh played two without Jose and gutted out a series win to stay hot. Yeah, I mean, winning this game without Jose Ramirez that we all saw it as soon as we saw Jose out of the lineup, we really we all thought, man, this offense can really struggle, and it did on Saturday, right against a very good starting pitching. remember the Dodgers have some of the best pitching in all of baseball, but they gutted out that win yesterday without him, right They were able to do it. They were able to split one and one without Jose Ramirez in the lineup, so a really good job by the team of rallying for their guy, you know you've know, heard win it win it for the gipper. Uh, win it for the skipper, but let's win it for Jose Ramirez. I think the team had a little bit of that mentality. It helps that Jose Ramirez was the emotional driver from the dugout, but I think there was a little bit of that mentality of, you know, Jose's out, he's gonna he's taking two days off to get that thumb feeling better. Let's go win this one, right? Let's win this maybe with for Jose, without Jose, whatever the motivation was. There was definitely some motivation there uh, with Jose Ramirez not in the lineup. So yeah, so those are some of the comments I got on Twitter. Um, yeah man it was a it was a really fun it was a really fun game yesterday. all right let's get into this ninth inning rally because that's what you asked for. Um, really although you know Twitter limits my characters to talk about the ninth inning rally, we really have to start in the eighth inning because that's where the comeback starts. We're down three to two and uh, we gotta get some runs up on the board. And it starts with Stephen Kwan. Now, Kwan did have a nice line drive in his first at-bat. He comes in in the sixth inning uh, after Gonzalez had tied the game, after Naylor had walked, and he hits a line-out at shortstop at 94.5 miles per hour. 10-degree launch angle, okay? And at a 750 expected batting average, but it ends up being a line-out to shortstop. But in the eighth inning, he leads off with a 92.6 mile per hour line drive, this time at a 12-degree launch angle, and this time it gives it a 9.10 expected betting average. So there you go. The difference between a leaping shortstop stealing your hit and getting a line drive in the left field, two degrees. There's your difference right there for Stephen Kwan. So he gets a little more of this ball, gets it up a little bit more, and gets it out there in the left field to lead things off in the eighth inning. Jimenez gets credit for a sacrifice bunt, however, Jimenez has said before, like, he thinks he can bunt on anybody, and when he bunts, he's bunting for a base hit. Unfortunately, he kind of squared this one up back towards the pitcher. Uh, He almost beats it out. He really does. He almost beats it out, but it goes as a sack bunt. Ernie Clement would strike out. I believe at this point, they would go to their bullpen and bring in Daniel Hudson. Uh, yes, they would, and he would strike out Clement. So you're thinking, all right, two down. Ah, did we just waste an opportunity? Did we give up an out? You know, to start, you know, with the sack bunt. Did we give up an out here? Now Clement strikes out. Now there's two outs. Brings up the catcher position, the ninth spot in the lineup, and uh, he goes to the bench here. Right, he doesn't mess around with Austin Hedges. Uh, even though he loves Hedges' defense and the way he calls a game, he goes to the bench, he goes to Richie Palacios. He knows he got a runner, he knows he's got a runner in scoring position, and so Palacios gives him his best chance to drive that run in. And uh Palacios absolutely delivers. He pulls one a 94 mile per hour exafossation, not technically a hard-hit ball, but you can't get much closer than that. Pulls one down the right field line. Goes for a double. Quan comes in to score. Palacios, big, big stuff from Richie Palacios as a pitch hitter. Now, uh, I heard Terry Francona talking a little bit about this. Or I got some comments in Mandy Bell's article. And it sounds like when Fermil Reyes comes back, it's going to be Palacios going down. We talked about... Uh, you know what? Oscar Gonzalez maybe does Mercado get DFA'd? You know where do they go with this? It sounds like uh, Palacios is going down simply because, simply because they want to get him. He can play every day at AAA. Up here at the majors, he's not going to be able to play every day. But down there, AAA, he'll get way more at bats, be playing every day, and I don't think he's technically out of the offensive plans or out of the outfield mix on this team. It's just for now, man, they're going to keep running into this problem. Uh, you know, where do you find spots for all these guys? By the way, as a pinch hitter, Palacios has been pretty good. He's three for eight, uh, as a pinch hitter. Uh, actually through in 10 plate appearances. He has three hits. Uh, He does have a walk mixed in there too. Um, three doubles though all three of the hits have been doubles he has 6 RBIs as a pinch hitter he's 375 400 on base 750 slugging uh yeah the OPS plus he's a uh, he's a 254 OPS plus compared to the rest of the league 254 as a pinch hitter compared to the rest of the league so yeah he has been an incredibly good pinch hitter off the bench. That is definitely going to be missed if he's the one that's sent back down. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you understand you want to give the kid a chance to play every day and keep working on the stuff he's working on. So the eighth inning rally would end there. Straw would draw a walk, but Ahmed Rosario would hit into a force out for the final out. He has a chance. Ahmed Rosario has a chance for the go-ahead, and he hits it 100.6 mile, miles per hour. So he hits it hard, uh, but their infield's able to gobble it up. And that ends that right there. So we tie the game in the eighth. Then in the ninth inning, they bring in Kimbrell. Kimbrell strikes out Owen Miller to start things, and you're thinking, oh boy, is this a locked in Kimbrel? Are you know is this guy gonna shut us down in the ninth inning? No, it is not a locked in Kimbrell. By the way, all fastballs to Owen Miller, bottom outside corner, down and away for Owen Miller. Just pounding him with fastballs one the fourth pitch is one up that he fouls off just pound him the fifth one is a called strike that absolutely locks him up at 96.1 miles per hour right on the outside corner that is definitely a strike three right there then oscar gonzalez comes up and he draws a walk because he can't locate his knuckle curveball uh, I don't know why he didn't go to the knuckle curve against Miller. Clearly, the fastballs were enough, but he tries to throw some knuckle curves and misses wildly, almost hitting him with the fifth one. Misses wildly with some knuckle curves. Finally, uh, goes back to the fastball on the sixth pitch. And I got to tell you, Oscar Gonzalez, we're going to talk about his big at bat later er, later in the podcast, but ice in his veins to take this four-seam fastball for, uh, you know, for ball four. It's a full count. And uh, I'm telling you, this one is at the knees. This is just below the strike zone. So real ice in his veins uh, from Austin Gonzalez to take this ball for. uh, And that would bring up Josh Naylor. Naylor gets a first pitch knuckle curve that he finally finds the strike zone with. And then gets a fastball inside off the plate that Naylor somehow spins on. I think they said he broke his bat. He gets it out into right field, down the right field line. Eddie Alvarez, who... Did not have a great day in right field. He actually helped us out a ton in right field. The first run of this game for the Guardians is due to Eddie Alvarez dropping a ball in right field and then playing way too deep and getting a bad break on a Clement ball in right field. So Alvarez, again, going to the line. Slides, can't come up with a catch. It goes for a double. Gonzalez gets held up at third base. And that would bring up Andres Jimenez with runners on second and third. Andres Jimenez would not waste any time. I take that back. They intentionally walked Stephen Kwan. So bases loaded. Bases loaded. I hate... StatCast sometimes leaves those things out. If you're intentionally walked, they just leave it out like it didn't exist. It jumps from at bat 74 to at 76. So with the bases loaded, Andres Jimenez is up, and he does not waste any time. Now, it was interesting. I went back and specifically looked at the at-bats before, And the at-bats before, he starts guys off uh, with a curveball. So was Andres Jimenez going by the scouting report, or was he going by what he had just saw? He had started Owen Miller out with a fastball down. He starts Oscar Gonzalez off with trying to get the knuckle curve, but misses away. Uh, He starts Josh Naylor off with a knuckle curve. So if I were Jimenez, I'd be up there thinking, is he going to start me off with a breaking ball? But maybe the scouting report said the left-handed batters Kimberl's going to come in on you with a fastball, and Jimenez was ready. I mean, 96.5 miles per hour right back up the middle. It's a fastball in at the knees, uh, and he shoots it back through. I'm sorry, it's a 96.5 mile per hour pitch. The exit velocity is only 80.3. So it's not a hard hit ball, but it's the perfect spot on the infield, especially with the infield pulled in. He shoots it through the middle of the infield to bring home that go-ahead run That's just such a huge at-bat from Jimenez. Uh, You know, he had some uh, strikeouts. He had some struggles on the game. He did strike out twice. But to come through with a huge at-bat here in the ninth inning to break the tie, that's just great stuff from a guy who, yeah, is looking at maybe an all-star game. Um, You know, he hasn't had too many big moments of late. But this is a really big moment for him right here to break this tie open. And then Ernie Clement would come up, and now he goes back to the knuckle curve ball, misses in the dirt, throws Clement a bunch of knuckle curves, finally leaves one up on the outside part of the plate that he's able to put out into right center field. It goes for a sack fly. Now, Naylor was the runner at third base. Frankly, I'm once Naylor got into scoring position, if he still had anyone on his bench, I'm guessing he would have sent in a pinch runner, right? If Ramirez had been playing, actually, I'm a little shocked that Ramirez... Maybe didn't go in as a pinch runner here. It was the DH position, uh, so we wouldn't have had to play the field. uh, But Naylor can't score on um, Jimenez's single. Maybe a different runner on base, if Mercado is pinch running in that situation, even if Ramirez is pinch running in that situation, they probably send him. They probably send him and score two on Jimenez's single. But because it's Naylor, they have to hold him. But Ernie Clement puts it out there deep enough. And Naylor, when he gets ahead of steam, right, when he could come in like a sprinter, uh, honestly, I think making the turn around the bases probably hurts. Seems like it hurts him more than just sprinting straight, uh, which is a thing with leg injuries, right? Being able to cut and turn on that injury is different than running straight. Uh, and he's able to come home on the Ernie Clement sack fly like a Mack truck coming down that third baseline. He slides in, he beats the throw. And now we give ourselves a two-run cushion. Again, it's small ball, getting guys on, getting them over in a scoring position, getting the clutch hit up the middle. You know, it wasn't a grand slam. It wasn't a walk-off home run this time. It was just an 80-mile-per-hour shot back up the middle that breaks the tie. And then a sack fly, something that the Guardians do a ton of. I think they threw up a stat that we are second in sack flies in all of baseball. So there you go. We get those two runs across. We give ourselves a 5-3 cushion. And uh, a comes in in the ninth inning and shuts things down. Gets a fly out. Gets a strikeout, And, of course, ends it with a ground out. Because what else would be a Klasse save if he doesn't end it with a ground out? And he makes a really good play, by the way, covering first base. A very athletic play from Klasse. Uh Owen Miller has the instincts of a second baseman. So he tends to go for things uh, to his right. He tends to leave the bag and go for things, which means the pitcher has to react and has to cover. So good job from Class A covering that. All right, working backwards through this game, we got to talk about Eli Morgan coming into this game, the weapon that is Eli Morgan. After Shane Bieber gets the first out, uh, Eddie Alvarez gets a single on him, and uh, that would bring up Gavin Lux. Gavin Lux, who is having a pretty good series. Uh, pretty good series for Gavin Lux. He had already had a double in the game in an RBI. And Eli Morgan, who just blows him away, uh, for, uh, throws him two changeups and then two forcing fastballs and locks him up inside. Maybe just off the black, but pretty darn close. You got to protect with two strikes. Blows him away on three called strikes. Gavin Lux just goes up there and looks at three strikes and walks back to the bench. However, Trey Turner would get one after two called strikes on the outside edge. Man, they were really, the umpire yesterday was being really favorable to Eli Morgan on that glove side edge of the plate. Throws him a changeup down that Trey Turner had no business hitting. Uh, it's down and away. He's able to get it back up the middle. Now, they were shifted on Trey Turner because he's the righty. Uh, they were, sh- you know, the right handed shift you're starting to see more and more. And it put Andres Jimenez in a slightly awkward position. Now, he still has to make this play, right? We still expect him to make this play. So he has to range to his right across second base into shortstop territory and do a jump, a Derek Jeter jump throw back across his body. He pulls it across his body. He pulls Owen Miller off the bag who tries to dive for it, can't come up with it. And the run comes in to score Right, So he does, Eli Morgan technically lets the inherited runner come in that was the go-ahead run, but he does his job here. He gets the ground ball. It was a really awkward pitch for Turner to swing at. I think if Jimenez is playing his normal shortstop position, he actually probably makes a really clean play on this. He'd be moving uh, to his left. He'd be a different style throw. Not many times a second baseman is going to have to go across second base into shortstop territory, and make a jump throw back across his body. It's just not something you practice very often. Maybe you make that spinning throw up the middle, but not going that far across second base. So it's an awkward situation. They actually give Trey Turner a hit, and then the run scores on the throwing error, uh, which might be a little bit of hometown scoring right there. Uh, I would have just marked that thing as an error. But uh, yeah, that's how they score it in the book. Then Eli Morgan continues to go to work. I mean, he is just a, such a weapon out of the bullpen. Uh, he strikes out Freddie Freeman, blows him away on a four-seam fastball at the top of the zone. Freeman, who had hit some balls very hard off Bieber, including that early home run, uh, gets blown away here at the top of the zone. And then the thing about Eli Morgan, what makes him such a weapon, is he comes back out and deals in the eighth inning too. He's not just a one-inning reliever. This isn't this isn't Francona burning through a guy's arm. This is a guy that can just do it. So he does give up a leadoff walk to Will Smith. Usually leadoff walks are really, really bad things. But he gets Max Muncy to pop out in foul territory. He gets Chris Taylor to strike out, blows him away on three pitches, including some nasty changeups that he swings and misses at. One at the bottom of the outside zone, one at the top outside zone. I mean, on the black out there. Uh, so some nasty change changeups from Eli Morgan and that gets Cody Bellinger again nasty changeups gets a swing strike on a high fastball then throws him a changeup that comes back on the inside corner and this thing is just filthy he takes it for a called strike too i mean what a what a this changeup just I mean, Bellinger gives up on it he has no chance against this changeup He has no idea where this ball is going, and it comes back right over, right over the edge of the strike zone for a called strike two, goes back up with a fastball that he fouls off, and then throws him a changeup a little bit more on the plate, and he lines out to Miles Straw in center. So a good job by Eli Morgan of going two innings there. I mean, yes, he gives up the inherited runner, and he gives up the go-ahead run, but after we tie it up in the top of the eighth, he comes back out, and he shuts him down, even after a leadoff walk, shuts him down. Uh, to, you know, to stop the Dodgers from having a chance to rally back and put up another run and match us. The fact that he goes two innings, frankly, almost every time he's out of the bullpen, it feels like it's just such a weapon that other teams don't have. They don't have a guy with a starter's arm that can pitch. I mean, this guy's pitching multiple days in a row. Uh, So, yeah, it's pretty crazy what Eli Morgan is doing out of the bullpen right now. That's why it was my potential you know second storyline of this game now the other things we got to talk about we got to talk about uh the home run from Oscar Gonzalez he finally gets his first home run off of Andrew Heaney uh it's to lead off i believe it's the sixth inning right yeah the sixth inning we had a chance to score a lot of runs uh but the first pitch of the sixth inning Andrew Heaney, by the way, I got this wrong yesterday. If you listened to the episode yesterday, and I know many of you were like, I am passing on that one. What a terrible game. I am passing on that episode. I accidentally said, I looked at Heaney's uh, history, and I just saw L.A. and assumed Dodgers. I did not look closely enough. He played most of his career with the L.A. Angels. This is his first season with the Dodgers. He had had some starts early, but had been hurt, so this was his first start back. Frankly, it was a pretty decent start from him. Uh, what was Heaney's final line on the day? Five innings pitched, five hits, two runs, only one earned, a walk and seven strikeouts, uh, only five hard hit balls on 77 pitches. So that's a that's a fairly okay start for a guy coming back uh, off of injury. But the one earned run he did give up is he threw a first pitch slider to Oscar Gonzalez. Man, Gonzalez has been flailing at some sliders down below the knees, right? He's really been chasing down below the knees. This one is at the thighs. This one comes back into the strike zone at the thighs. You know the exit velocity is going to be there from Gonzalez. This time, the launch angle is too. He finally lifts one up in the air. This guy has led the minor league system in home runs. This guy is a home run hitter, even though this is the first time we're seeing it. 104.7 mile per hour exit velocity, 24 degree launch angle, 395 to the seats out on left center field, Oscar Gonzalez's first major league home run. So good job by him jumping on a – that's not a hanging slider. I mean, it is down. It is on the outside edge. It is at the thighs. No way is this a hanging slider. It's not a bad first-pitch slider. But a good job by Oscar Gonzalez of going down and getting this one. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's great to see the guy finally have his first home run. And from everything Francona says – It looks like he's staying in the lineup. I don't know how they're going to figure this out with Reyes back. Because, I mean, Naylor at first and Owen Miller and, you know, Reyes and Gonzalez. Reyes, Gonzalez, and Owen Miller are all right-handed bats. Naylor is the lefty. So if you're going to do any kind of platooning or matching up or something like that, you would assume Naylor is probably going to be in there because you face more righties throughout a season. But we'll see how this all balances out. It also balances out with... uh, uh, you know, if you keep Owen Miller in the lineup, then and Andres Jimenez at second base, what do you do? Do you move Andres Jimenez over to shortstop? What does that do to Ahmed Rosario in the lineup? You see how this problem just keeps compounding itself. Every time you move a player around, you displace another player. So I how Francona is going to manage all this and find at-bats for everybody is going to be really, really interesting. I mean, I've liked that... Frankly, Naylor hasn't seen too much of the outfield. Does Reyes get some starts in right? Naylor can continue to DH. Does Gonzalez get some starts in left? Uh, and Quan get displaced by this whole thing, against, uh, especially against left-handed pitching. So it'll be interesting to see how Francona makes all this work, right? We give credit to Francona in this episode for making some good decisions. He's got some tough decisions ahead of him. And uh, hopefully we can continue to give him, uh, give him credit for making the right calls and moving forward with how he's going to have to work uh, playing time for everybody. So Gonzalez with the big home run, that must be the monkey off the back. That's got to feel good. Uh, and he's going to stick around to be able to try to hit some more. Can Gonzalez continue to hit homers? That will definitely keep him in the majors if he continues to hit homers. And especially if he's swinging at sliders in the strike zone, not chasing sliders out of the strike zone. All right, the last thing we got to talk about of the day, and finally we're getting to pitching, uh, starting pitching, is Shane Bieber. Six and a third innings. He does give up seven hits. He is hard hit a bunch. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times he's hard hit. Gives up three runs, but only two earned. Remember, one of them was an inherited runner from Eli Morgan. Only one walk, but nine strikeouts on the day. He does give up a home run to Freddie Freeman. Freeman almost had him in his first at-bat. In the first inning, Freeman almost gets him, gets his chance to come back up in the third inning, and this time he drives it. Freeman's home run to left center field to the opposite way for the left-handed hitter, this is one of the best examples of how to hit to the opposite field you will ever see. If you are trying to teach a kid right now, your kid, if you're coaching Little League, you're trying to teach kids how to hit the opposite way, show them the highlight of Freddie Freeman hitting this home run. Because his mechanics don't change, but he's able to wait until that ball gets a little bit deeper in the zone. He's able to sit back a little bit, keep the hands back a little bit. The footwork doesn't change, right? He still takes a good step, a good spin. The hips snap through. Everything from the lower body is the same. The hands can just stay back just a little bit longer, a little bit deeper in the zone and the shoulders just give it a little bit of lift out towards left center field. It really is great mechanics here on a Freddie Freeman home run. I thought we were talking about Shane Bieber, Davey. What did you go on that tangent for? Well, you know what? I just noticed things during a baseball game. One of these days, I'll be coaching Little League sooner rather than later. You know how fast time goes uh, when you got kids growing up. So, uh, yeah, I I love coaching, and I love seeing these things. Um, So... uh, Yeah, I recommend showing your kid Freddie Freeman's at-bat right there. All right, Bieber, if you want to show him how to throw a nasty breaking ball, you show him Shane Bieber because those breaking balls were nasty. Bieber's illustrator on the day, he actually throws the slider more than any pitch on the day, and he was getting them to chase it. And just when you think maybe I'm going to lay off for it, he starts pounding it for strikes. Uh, So there's a ton. There's a serious grouping going on here. There's a ton of sliders. That are up to the arm side for Shane Bieber for the right-handed pitcher. Up and in to the right-handed batters. I'll be up and away to the lefties. And then a bunch that sweep across the zone to the glove side for the right-handed pitcher. uh, That fall down and out of the zone. So some serious grouping here. And the same thing for the curveball, frankly. Uh, He kind of had two spots that he was attacking uh, on the day. Uh, Down and away, that bottom corner. And then up and in, that top corner. And yeah, he goes to that slider a ton in this one. Throws the slider 45 times. Only threw the fastball 29 times. The knuckle curve 23. He has definitely decided to pick and choose his moments of when to deploy the knuckle curve. Whereas the slider is a pitch he could attack with at any time, at any count. He could throw it the most on the day. I mean... 46% 46% of his pitches, almost half his pitches were sliders on the day, and it was an effective pitch. Had a whiff rate of 55%, 12 whiffs. Eight more called strikes makes it a 44% CSW on the day for that pitch. The four seam fastball was getting no, it didn't get any whiffs, a 0% whiff rate on the four seam fastball, although it was a little harder on the day. Right? He had been averaging just under 91 miles per hour. This time he averaged just over 91 miles per hour, 91.5. So he did get the velocity up there just a little bit more on the day. Maxed out at 93.3. Eight called strikes at least on that pitch. And weak contact off the fastball. They averaged 87.7 mile per hour exit velocity off that fastball. And then the knuckle curve was very effective. A 54% whiff rate. Seven whiffs on the knuckle curve. Add in three called strikes. It's good for a 43% CSW. By the way, uh, you know my brother asked me about this yesterday. CSW called strikes plus whiffs, so it's a good measure of how many strikes a guy is getting. The pitcher is getting. This excludes foul balls in this number um, and balls put in play, so those aren't included. You know when you look at a guy's total pitches and it's you know 90 pitches and 61 strikes or something like that. That includes balls in play. That includes foul balls. This is just how many strikes is the guy getting? Called strikes. Plus whiffs. How nasty is his stuff? 39% total CSW for Shane Bieber. That is borderline elite starting pitching right there, right? We always, 40% seems to be that mark of, you know, really, really elite starting pitching. So Bieber proving once again he's up there with some of the best starters in all of baseball. So it's a really great day. And those strikeouts, what what about those nine strikeouts, Davey? What was going on with those? It was all the off-speed stuff it was all the slider and the curveball down at the bottom of the zone not one up i mean one slightly one slightly above the knees everything else was down frankly most of them were out of the strike zone and most of them were to the glove side out of the strike zone uh you know so sweeping across the plate for shane bieber That one that's just above the knees is actually on the inside edge from Shane Bieber, on the arm side from Shane Bieber to Max Muncy. That's a swinging strike. Everything else is down and away. One of these is a called strike for for, uh, Will Smith on a full count in the fifth inning. And that's the one where I was like, the fifth inning, he strikes out the side, by the way. Uh, The fifth inning, he blows away. Uh, Trey Turner to kick things off, Freddie Freeman. So this is your one through three hitters here, and he strikes out the side. Freddie Freeman, he gets strikeout swinging, and Will Smith is called out on strikes. And as I'm watching the highlights back, I'm thinking to myself, if you see a ball spinning off Shane Bieber, like why? Like Freddie Freeman chases one. Uh, Yeah, a, a 0-2 count. He chases a knuckle curve like down below his knees. I'm thinking, why... Why are you chasing? If you see that ball spinning from Bieber, if it's not a fastball, you know that thing is going to dive bomb under the strike zone. Uh, And just when I'm thinking that, he locks up Will Smith, just paints the outside bottom edge with a slider. And I'm thinking, okay, that's why. That's why, because he's that nasty of a pitcher that he'll do that to you. Uh, so, that's a good job on a 3-2 count that absolutely Will Smith thought it. He thought, this is spinning. I am not going to chase. I will not chase this out of the strike zone, Shade Bieber. What happens? Bieber paints the black with it. Puts it right on the edge of the plate and gets the called strike to end that fifth inning. So, it's a really good start from our ace. Uh, he doesn't get the win on the day. You know, that, that inherited runner comes in to score Eli Morgan ends up getting the win on the day, and Classe with his 15th save. MVP on the day? Oh, my God, this is a tough one. I kind of wanted to give it to Andres Jimenez for uh, the go-ahead, you know, hitting the go-ahead RBI in the ninth inning. He gets the big hit with the bases loaded that gives the Guardians a lead in the ninth inning. He does make that error earlier, but it was a really, really tough play. He had made some good defensive plays earlier in the game. He had turned a double play. He actually has the hardest hit ball in the day at 109.9 miles per hour. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm leaning toward Andres Jimenez. I don't know, unless you could talk me out of it. Unless you could say that... uh, you know, Eli Morgan coming out of the bullpen, although he does let that inherited runner come in to score, although that's kind of Andres Jimenez's fault anyways. Um, you know, maybe Eli Morgan is MVP on the day. Uh, is it Bieber for just having a fantastic start? Is it Palacios for his one pinch hit? Is The one contribution to the game, he comes off and he gets that game-tying pinch hit double in the eighth inning. You know Why not? Let's let's give it to Richie Palacios. Comes in, gets that pinch hit. Everybody else has a little bit of positive and negative column. Palacios is nothing but positive. They asked him to do one thing on the day. He does it. He ties up the game in the eighth inning. Sure, let's give it Richie Palacios MVP on the day. The guy's about to go back down to AAA. So let's give him the hardware before he goes back down to make room for Firmino Reyes. Palacios is your MVP on the day. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Frankly, I could keep going. I could talk about this game for a long time, but uh, you know what? I think you get the picture on this one. It was a really, really fun game. Uh, go check out that Oscar Gonzalez home run, his first home run of his career. Check out that Freddie Freeman home run to see those awesome mechanics. Go check out some Shane Bieber strikeouts if you want to see a wicked Wicked slider and curveball just blowing guys away. Uh, and Eli Morgan, too. Man, go get the highlight of that changeup he threw to Freddie Freeman that locked him up inside. Oh, no, Bellinger that locked up Bellinger inside. Go find the highlight of that single changeup right there. Uh, it's good stuff from the Guardians. They're not flashy, right? This team is not flashy, they're not gonna. Man, they're not the team Major League Baseball wants to be champions, but they're a team that is going to fight, and they're going to keep themselves in the playoff picture. We are one game back of Minnesota about to go out there and play a three-game set against them before they come back to us to play a five-game set. Craziness in the schedule right now. Um, Yeah, I mean, the American League Central Division is going to be turned on its head by the end of this month. And uh, it's going to be a battle. So the tough stretch continues. Minnesota, we got Boston and New York mixed in there. Uh, We are screaming towards the end of June right now. And the Guardians are playing some of the best baseball in the league right now. So it's good stuff from your Guardians team going out there, winning this series over the Dodgers. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. We have an off day. We got a travel day. So we'll be in Minnesota Tuesday night. Uh, it looks like they're still starting games a little bit early for us in Minnesota. So they're helping us out a little bit. There's 7.40 starts Eastern, which means there's 6.40 starts in Minnesota. I like that. There's no reason on a weeknight you got to be starting a game so late. So I like that, helping us out a little bit here in Cleveland. A three-game set, and we're going to kick things off. But they haven't announced the starter yet. Okay, they haven't announced the starter. Uh, Who's turn in the rotation? It should be Plesak's. Or is this the Pilkington spot? Is this where uh, Savali is going to get the call-up from the Miners and get that spot? Let's see if Plesak is starting. No, McKenzie is starting Wednesday. So they've announced McKenzie is going to start Wednesday's game against Sonny Gray. Uh, Thursday's game, the 23rd, is Plesak against Smeltzer. So, yeah, I guess this spot would be where Savali would be called up to face Ryan to kick off the series. So, We will see what happens there, who gets announced as a starter. I'm guessing there's going to be a couple of transactions that happen today. So pay attention to Guardians Twitter. Pay attention to your beat reporters, because I'm guessing some transactions are going down today. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball morning. Thank you for all the interaction on Twitter during the game, for the poll, the conversation after. I appreciated all your comments. It was great to hear your insight, Guardians Twitter. Again, the final from LA, it's the Guardians 5, the Dodgers 3. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. If you've got good stuff to say about Terry Francona's decisions, if you want to talk about Eli Morgan or how the heck you would balance all this playing time with Rays coming back, email the show Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back in the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.